This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Car has to work quickly. Down to six seconds. Car going down again. And it's Quentin Williams this time for the Jets. Touchdown, most likely. Looks right. Fires a bomb down the right sideline again for Mims. What a catch by Denzel Mims. And welcome back to an episode of the Cooler Jets podcast. We host Ben Blessington and Michael Nania. Michael, a lot to go over today. We have a mailbag. Uh, thank you to all those who submitted questions, but also a few signings to talk about. So let's just hop right into it. Uh, the biggest of all the signings we're going to talk about today, Sheldon Rankins, who was signed a few days ago. A bit of a surprise, but a really, really talented player who's had struggles staying on the field the last two years. What are your thoughts on, on his fit in New York and just the player he is? Well, at first, I think I was definitely a little surprised to see that they made such a big addition at a position that was clearly their biggest strength. But most teams in the league rotate for interior D linemen, especially if you have a 4-3 defensive front. So they definitely did need another guy. They do have Nathan Shepard, who for a fourth guy on your depth chart is probably among the better options in the league. But to now have Rankins and you add him to Quinnen, Fadokasi, and Franklin Myers, this is a ridiculous interior D-line. He's a great pass rusher. He doesn't bring much in the run game, but as a pass rusher, the last four seasons, he's been extremely efficient in terms of creating pressure. Uh, so you add him to Franklin Myers, who's an elite pass rusher. If he does, it'll be interesting to see what Franklin Myers does now. I think we'll see a lot more of him on the edge this season. I think we'll still see plenty of him at three tech on the inside. They're definitely going to add an edge in the draft, might add another one in free agency. So I don't think he's going to be the starter opposite Lawson, but he should probably be out there uh, more often than he was last year, which he can do well. Um, so you have Frank Myers in there. You have Fadakasi, who's an elite run stuffer, and you have Quinnen, who's elite at both. So this is a really high upside defensive line now. Yeah, it's the Robert Sala defense. I mean, they're going to have – I mean, you look how he won in San Francisco with beastly defensive lines with DeForest Buckner, Nick Bosa, Eric Armstead, and he's trying to build a, a version of that here. I get there's concerns at the cornerback position. Um, I, I expect them to still sign somebody and, and obviously address it in the draft, but – when you have a pass rush like the one that the Jets are building, I mean, it lessens the importance of that secondary. So really excited about Rankins. I mean, he says he feels the best he's felt since 2018, that he's fully healthy. And uh, yeah, I mean, you, you pair him against Quinn and you pair him uh, with Carl Lawson and, and with John Franklin Myers. I mean, uh, those guys are just all going to feed off each other. There's going to be less double teams uh, going around and you're going to see uh, probably the best Jets defensive line in a while. So I'm really excited about this signing. I agree. It caught me a little off guard, but, um, after looking to, into it, it makes a lot more sense. Uh, the other signing we got to talk about, Tyler Croft, former Bills tight end. Michael, do you like this signing? Do you think he's more of a, a third-string blocking tight end? Do you think they should still target a tight end in the draft? Yeah, I do like this signing. I'm, I did want him to go after Jonu Smith and Gerald Everett and even some of the other under-the-radar under receivers, a tight end like Dan Arnold. But it looks like they are going a different route that 
they maybe do have a little bit of confidence in Chris Herndon that he can keep it going. And this is a good tight end class, so maybe they'll target it on day two. But this is still a good pickup. They have needed much improved blocking at the skill positions for a long time. It's why their screen game and their outside run game hasn't been that explosive because the guys on the outside just aren't blocking well, aren't getting those second level blocks so you can turn good gains into huge gains. And now the Jets have some players who can help them do that. Keelan Cole and Corey Davis are very good blockers at the wide receiver position. Then you add Croft, who's a very solid blocking tight end. Uh, Also in pass protection, he's really good. It's not as important as run blocking because they don't do it nearly as much but he doesn't he gives up a very low amount of pressure as a pass blocker and that's important too the Jets have given up a few too many sacks by other tight ends over the past few years um, and he's not going to give give up any of those Um, but in the run game as well he's a versatile guy the Bills had him playing in the backfield at H back and fullback about 20 percent of the time last season he's not going to play fullback but uh, like a pure fullback role but he can line up in the backfield and did a lot of that last season so very good blocker. Jets have really needed that. Um, and it's important in this run game that they figure to run where you're going to have a lot of outside runs and toss and pitch plays. So this is an, a quietly important addition. I think Croft is really going to help this team. Yeah, well, I was just about to ask you about the backfield because at the beginning of the offseason, we talked about the Jets adding a fullback, specifically Kyle Juszczyk, former Niners fullback, or I guess current Niners fullback as well. Um, and Trayvon Wesco has played that role. Do you think that that is the Jets plan right now? Do you think they're planning on drafting a fullback? Do you think that they're going to split backfield carries between or backfield reps, excuse me, between Croft and Wesco? Just what do you think their, posi- their, their plan at that position is? Yeah, I, it'll be interesting because it, it's just because Yushak was such an intriguing option. There's really no one close to him. What he can do as a pass catcher, nobody touches that fullback in the league right now. So he was such an above and beyond option that if you could get him, it would be a no brainer, but the Niners prioritized keeping him. So the jets weren't able to get him. but you can't get someone who can do what he does, or at least that guy isn't in the league right, right now. But I think you're definitely going to still see some backfield snaps because Croft did it a lot last season and played well. The bills did a lot of that, all of their tight ends, um, whether it was Croft, whether it was Dawson Knox, even Lee Smith a little bit would play uh, some snaps in the backfield and kick out not necessarily fullback all the time more so at H back so I think we'll see some of that from Croft and and Wesco played a good deal fullback last year as well obviously he's not very good at running the ball we saw a couple of instances last season where he was unable to get the pickup as a rusher and as a pass catcher yet he hasn't shown much of anything but in terms of blocking from fullback I thought he's looked pretty good when he was in that role so I think we'll definitely see some of Wesco and Croft um, taking on those blocking roles in the backfield. Yeah, and then the other thing before we hop in the mailbag, Keanu Neal was, as Justina Anderson reported, he came down between the Cowboys and the Jets. He ultimately chose the Cowboys for a $5 million deal. It seemed like he was going to play that will linebacker spot in Robert Saul's defense, and this was a signing that was really intriguing to me that I really wanted the Jets to get done. Unfortunately, it didn't happen. Michael, what were your thoughts on Keanu Neal, and how much do you think the Jets need at will linebacker is going to have to be addressed in the draft? Well, I do think the one part of this offseason that I'm a little bit critical of is how they've handled the linebacker position because it was a big need and they needed two guys. You needed, you know, your Sam, your third linebacker who could rotate in and you needed a starter, every down starter at will next to Mosley. And there have been some good options and they've all gone really cheap. Keanu Neal goes for only 
one year, five million about to the Cowboys, um, who obviously would be converting from safety, but he lined up at linebacker almost half the time last season and projects to that role really well. So he's still a good option. Then you have guys like Jayon Brown, Nicholas Morrow, both of the both of them only went for about five million for one year. Um, so a lot of really good options went for a lot cheaper than anyone expected. So I think the Jets could have been more aggressive in going for some of those guys to um, bolster the linebacker position. And and also those signings kind of make Gerard or, or Jared Davis. I'm going to go with Gerard. I think it sounds cooler. Uh, some of those signings make the Gerard Davis move look like they overpaid for him a little bit because he was not a good starter his first three years. And he was a rotational player last year. Then you have guys like Brown and Morrow who were starting and playing really well go for cheaper than him. So that does look a little bit questionable. Questionable. I still like the addition of Davis. If he's not starting, he's that third linebacker. But uh, linebacker is a question mark for sure. And there could be some options for them uh, at the 23rd pick that they could look at. Uh, definitely looks like there's going to be multiple guys they can consider there. But um, there are still some places they can go to fill that starting spot. KJ Wright from the Seahawks, Eric Wilson from the Vikings are probably my two favorites. So it'll be interesting to see if they're able to uh, if they do try to sign one of those guys to plug that hole before the draft, or if they really do rely on the draft to uh, fix that position. Yeah. I think the thing to remember with Davis is that it was reported that he had a, he had a pretty hot market that a lot of teams were interested in him because they believed he was misused um, under Patricia in Detroit. And clearly the, the jets are really excited about him as their Sam linebacker. So I think that one year, 7 million is a clear indication that there was a bidding war for Davis's services. I agree with you, though. I, I would have, because the market is so cheap, I would have loved that they just double dipped that position, gone after Morrow, gone after Brown, Neal. Um, because, yeah, and that's just another hole you have to fill in the draft. Well, look, there's a lot of guys in this draft that can come in and play, and you don't have, you don't have to take them on day one. You can take them on day two, round three. Um, there's going to be plenty of guys that you can draft there and, and be relatively confident. Dylan Moses is a guy that jumps out to me from Alabama that's going to be available in that round three spot. And I think you could come in and play immediately. Uh, the other player to remember is Blake Cashman. You know, these are the types of players that, you know, under good coaching staffs can take leaps and become contributing players. I'm not saying Blake Cashman's ever going to be uh, a top tier linebacker, but under Robert Sala, he's the type of guy that I would love to see have a good training camp. Like I would love to see come in and, and be able to make an impact. And you could be confident in, in him in a, either a rotational role or a guy who has to play due to injury or hell, even your starter. Um, there's plenty of players like that all, all over the roster. So clearly there's some faith in, in Blake Cashman. I really liked him coming out of Minnesota. Um, but yeah, they, they've by not double dipping in free agency, they have to address it in the draft. Um, and I would say that round three is, spot is probably where they, they should go after it. Um, but Michael, why don't we just go ahead and hop right into the mailbag? A lot of questions this week. We'll try to fly through them so we don't have a three hour podcast like every other mailbag uh, episode that we do. Um, and let me just pull this up. All right. First question from at sports underscore fiend. Again, the E with the three. I, I love this guy. He's submitted questions for every single one of our mailbags. We really appreciate you, man. He said, how would you describe in three words, the reaction from jets, Twitter as a whole on the signings from week one in free agency, Michael, I'll, I'll let you go first. In, in three words. So if, if we're limited to, ex- can we do less than three words? Is it exactly three words? Um, do you have anything? Like exactly. Ex- no, it seems like exactly three words. Um, I think I'm going to go with, like, I'm trying, like, I know exactly what I'm going for, but I don't know how to say it in exactly three words. Um, but I'm going to stick to the rule and try to do it. Um, so, all right. All right. I think I got it now. I'm going to go with slightly too critical. That's what I'm going to go slightly with. too critical. Okay. I think, I Explain. think some people are being a, 
a little bit too harsh on them for not spending too much. And I think this is a general rule for any team in any sport and free agency. Um, Cause I think you sort of lose sight of the fact that your team is one of 30 plus and you can't just sign any player you want that every single player has multiple offers. Every single team wants many different players. Um, so it's, it's not as simple as just, Oh, why didn't you? And I know I just complained about not signing linebackers, but I'm just saying they could have been a little more aggressive, but in general, it's not as simple as, Oh, why didn't you just pay X amount of dollars for this guy? Well, maybe that guy didn't want to play for your team. Maybe he doesn't want to play in the East coast. Maybe he doesn't want to play in a four, three scheme. Maybe he preferred to play with his old coaches with another team. Uh, so there's so many different factors. You can't just have anybody you want. Overall, I think the Jets have done a very nice job so far. They got two really big signings, I think, in Carl Lawson and Corey Davis, and a lot of complimentary signings across the rest of the roster that make a lot of sense. And they do still have some holes to fill, but realistically speaking, this team has so many holes, it would be impossible to fill them all adequately in one free agency period. I still think they do need to do more with linebacker and corner, but um, overall, I think and guard. some and guard. So again, there's a lot of holes, but in general, I think there's a good number of fans that are being a little bit too critical in terms of not spending enough when they've already gotten two very good big ticket signings and right. a lot of good role players in addition to that. Right. I wanted to say time is a flat circle, but that's obviously five words. So I'm just going to cut out the unnecessary words and just say time flat circle. Why use many words when few words do trick? Um, I think that too many Jets fans, I think it happens every single year where players just want, or, or fans just want the team to just go bananas in free agency because it's fun and it's exciting and you get to imagine. Um, you look at what the Patriots have done and the hype that they've generated within their own fan base about like, you know, we're back, baby, we're going to the Super Bowl. There's a direct correlation between free agent spending and losing. And I think Jets fans just have to come to terms that this is never who Joe Douglas is going to be. He's never going to be Mike McCagnon. And that's a good thing. I think this is about as aggressive you'll ever see him get. And I don't mean to say anything. The Jets plan going into the offseason was Tooney, Davis, um, and Lawson, which is a very aggressive free agents, but free agency plan. But it was smart. These are guys who were young. They weren't. 30 year old free agents that are going to get way overpaid. He got them with good value. He brought in high character guys, leaders, guys who a few guys who maybe underperformed that he believes that the, the Jets coaching staff can get the best out of. Uh, I think too many fans are, are too quick to criticize how bad the Jets have been the last 10 years, but in the same breath, want the Jets to use the exact same strategy. Joe Douglas is going to build it through the draft. The Jets have never pretty much since Parcells had a guy who's had patience to, to see his plan through. It seems like obviously it's a symptom of the market that, you know, the pressure gets turned up when you're in New York, but Douglas is going to stay, stay the path. I think this year it's it, the goal is to get him to compete, have a good season, play, you know, good teams. Well, have a few upsets. I don't even know if playoffs is mandatory. If you win eight, nine games, seven games, but you're, you're a good team. Like the season the Panthers had last year. I mean, that's the moving in the right direction. And then the next year there's that, okay, you got to make the playoffs type of jump. But Joe Douglas is not going to rush out and sign all the top free agents. This, this year I thought he was probably more aggressive than he, he will ever be. But I think every year he's going to be looking into the younger, um, high quality, high value type free agents and, and pick them uh, because, you know, free agency is only so deep. You can only sign so many guys who are going to have a good impact on your team. And when you start triple dipping and adding 12, 15 guys like the Patriots did, 
the likelihood is that a lot of those guys are going to fail. A lot of those guys in two years are going to be like, wow, we overpaid for him. Wow, this guy got injured. It's just the nature of football. It's just, it's a very volatile sport. So I think fans have been way too quick to, to criticize um, Douglas uh, and very impatient. I think it's like, just recognize that, look, he came in and got a six-year contract because he knew three of those years the Jets were going to suck. And that's pretty much how we're operating right now. I, I'm excited about this team. I think they're going to play well. I don't think this means that the Jets have to be 3-13 and 13 this year, 3-14 and 14 now, I guess. The, the Jets team needs to show progress, but he's going to build it the smart way. Um, and that's how you get to the, the level of those teams like Baltimore and, and New England and Green Bay and San Francisco. Those teams at Kansas City that are always in the playoffs, at least the last few years. The Jets can get there, but they have to build it Joe Douglas's way. And he has to hit on the draft picks. This is the right strategy, but you have to make sure you hit on the draft picks because a lot of GMs have had the right strategy, whiffed on the draft picks, and then it all goes to shit. It was kind of John Idzik's um, plan, although he wasn't as aggressive as I thought he needed to be. But, um, yeah, time is a flat circle or time flat circle. Um, another oh, one. Not off not off to a great start with the quick answers. We're gonna, That was – okay. That, that was a three-word answer, and we gave a three-minute answer. So that's right. Okay, we'll speed this. We'll speed this along. Um, another one from Matt Sports underscore Fiend. Do you believe that JD will pull pull the trigger on trading Sam after the pro days for Wilson and Fields? Also, do you think that Sam's market for a trade has been impacted negatively, given the recent veteran QB additions to the potential teams we could trade with? First, as of Michael and I recording this, we're a little late this week. Um, Corey Davis had his interview, and it's making waves that he said he expects Sam Darnold to be the starter. Um, for this year, Michael, just so you know, this question might take a little longer as well, because this is an interesting topic. People are blowing up on Jets Twitter that Corey Davis has basically leaked that the Jets are planning to stick with Darnold. First, I want to get your thoughts on that, because then we can turn around and address this question. Do you think the Jets fans should read anything into that that quote? I mean, I think this is as simple as just a guy giving a cookie cutter answer, just like any other interview. I, the, the last thing he's going to come out and say is, well, I don't think he's going to be here. I was told that they're going to draft the quarterback. Yeah, but, I was told they're going to trade him, but I just don't think there's he, ever could, anything to read into it. You don't think he could have said, like, look, that didn't factor into my decision. The Jets are in a great spot. Whatever they decide to do a quarterback, like, I'll fully I don't. He, he could have done anything. Because that's just – it's it's another way of just sort of throwing him – it's an indirect way of throwing him under the bus without actually doing it. Like, just I don't, by not I, being committed to him. I don't think this guarantees you're supposed Arnold. to fully support every other person on the team that's under contract with you, no matter what. That's I, just the, the unwritten rule. Yeah, but Douglas, uh, Douglas has even said they're taking calls for Darnold. So I, I like, look, I, I don't do I think that he just gave away the Jets game plan? No, but I don't think that I, I think you're underlooking. I think you're overlooking this. Um to an extent. I mean, I, I do think it does show at least some, he has to have some sort of understanding of the quarterback position. If he signs here, I don't think it's the end all be all. I would still say, I think the jets do draft a quarterback, but the likelihood of Darnold returning just went up in my mind. I mean, that, that's just a quote. Maybe I, I do have to say, to I need to hear something at some point that's pointing in the other direction, because I keep saying, we don't know what Douglas is thinking. Give it time, give it time. But time keeps moving on the draft keeps getting closer and well, nothing's happened and there aren't really any rumbling so i it's definitely starting to get a little bit more likely i was gonna say worrisome but that's just my opinion likely that they'll stick with them as time moves on nothing happens well no no i, no, I, I do not, think that's things not true like at all. They, they, that's not true at all though because they said that they're gonna wait and talk to the pro days so it's nothing is changing in that sense in my mind i think that look Sala respected that when he came to the building that the Jets 
didn't sign him to a contract immediately because they had Arthur Smith coming and they had a plan and they're going to stick to it. Douglas is very diligent when it comes to that. He is, he's already announced his plan. He said, look, we're going to evaluate the quarterbacks. So I, we've known for the last month that Darnold wasn't going to be traded until after these pro days. Zach Wilson's is this week. Justin Fields is coming up as well. I don't think the earliest you're going to see Darnold traded is the first week, of April, the second week, of April. I think he's going to be traded probably the week of the draft in my eyes, um, you know, to answer, to answer uh, this question. But I, I think you, it does say something uh, that Corey Davis, he said a pretty matter of fact that he believed that, that signing. I don't here. think he said a matter of fact. Lee. Well, you only saw the second clip because the first clip he said uh, he signed here, believing Sam Darnold's going to be the quarterback, which he's fine with. He sees Sam do great things. And then they followed up and asked him and he said, yes, I believe Sam Darnold will be the quarterback. It sounded, it just sounded very by the book. It's not definitive. It. It's not it's not definitive. He's not Joe Douglas, but it does signal that, look, these conversations come up when you're an agent negotiating for your player's deal. And you're, it's a receiver, especially these type of things come up. I'm not saying it's, it's official, but clearly there's a higher chance that Donald sticks here um, than we're giving a credit. They do, but I don't think he has any interest in telling the media what those plans are. He hasn't. Yeah. But the way he, he, but he could have dodged that question if he didn't want to answer it. He did answer it in favor of Sam. You know, I I get what you're saying. He's in a tough spot. A lot of people are like, what is he supposed to say? But in my eyes, there were plenty of ways that he could answer that. That wasn't backing Sam Darnold, but I get it. He's in it. He's in a tough spot. I don't think it leaked anything. I don't think this is Douglas's plan. I just think it, it should raise some eyebrows uh, and, and maybe increase the likelihood of Darnold returning. I don't, I still think the jets ultimately draft a quarterback though. Um, and then the second part of this guy's question, do you think that Sam's market for a trade has been impacted negatively given the, the veteran uh, quarterback additions to potential change you could trade with Fitzpatrick going to the Washington football team? Um, the bear, who did the Bears sign? Why can I not for Andy Dalton? Geez. I was like, what middling quarterback to the Bears sign Andy Dalton going to the bears. I personally don't think it does, especially with those two teams. Like those are not long-term answers. Those are both stop gaps. You could argue both of them should probably be backups in this league. So they're still in a position where they're looking for a young quarterback to build around. And Darnold to many teams is still that he's still so young. He still has that pedigree. A lot of teams fell in love with them in 2018. So I would imagine there's still plenty of teams that would love to trade from have a quarterback competition with a veteran. Um, and then you have this veteran that you think you can win now with. And also this young kid that you think you could build around and maybe win now with as well i'm sure there's some teams that are gonna have to bow out but joe douglas was never gonna have an 18 bidding war i think he's trying to have a two or three team bidding war so he's he's gonna go through his process and when he decides that if if he wants to trade sam then he's the teams that still want him are gonna call it'll probably be around four teams and the bidding war will commence from there that's that's kind of the way i view it um so yeah i think a few teams may have dropped out of the race but there's still plenty of teams to be interested michael what are your thoughts yeah, I agree. Like you said, like there's some teams that are out of the race now, like the Colts, for example, trading for Carson Wentz, probably not on the table anymore. Um, but overall, I don't think his value has gone down because I think, as you said, most teams, the appeal of Darnold is long term, not necessarily to start right away. Some teams might start him right away, but I think a good number of teams that might trade for him would do it with the idea that he'd sit behind a guy like Ben Roethlisberger, Jimmy Garoppolo, whoever it is for a year or two maybe and then have the potential to take over after that if they think he plays well enough in practice you resign him to a one-year deal however you do it just with the long-term vision more so than short term so i don't think his his value has necessarily been changed that much right all right next one from at mikey troy 65 which day two to three offensive linemen do you think could come in and take this left guard spot 
assuming you ride with Jay, Greg Van Roten for another year. Well, I don't think any day three offensive linemen are coming in and taking that left guard spot, at least off the bat. I mean, I think if you're going to go with the day three guy, you go with Cam Clark, who's been here for a year on, on basically on a redshirt deal. I think, and there's another question that kind of asks this, but I think the Jets know, or at least if they're if they're moving on from Darnold, I think in some version they have quarterback at two and then either a corner and offensive lineman at 23 and then the opposite at 34. I think that would be their ideal plan. And the, and the board falls fairly favorable to those positions at those spots. So I don't, I think they will plug the guard with either 23 or 34. I don't think they're going to put it past that. I think the, I think they will probably try to do it at 23 because I think there's a chance of Legia Vera Tucker's there. If he's gone, Jalen Mayfield's a guy that, that jumps out to me as a guy who's a tackle in college, but projects well uh, to the interior uh, in the NFL. Rashawn Slater, if he were to fall is another guy that kind of fits that category, but let's say a guy like JC Horn falls to 23. And it's like, well, we can knock out the corner need with a guy who's, in my eyes, one of, if not the best corner in this draft. So then they take J.C. Horn. And then at 34, I think the hope and the connection that a lot of Jets fans make is Wyatt Davis. I think he's probably the best fit for somebody they could get at 34 because they're looking for, you know, a zone rushing attack. So they want guys who are mobile. They got they want guys who can pull. So that's why those Trey Smiths or those Deontay Browns, those type of day two or day three guys aren't really perfect fits because those are man gap power schemes. And look, the Jets could still draft them and, and project them to, to fitting in their offense, but um, they want those mobile, those athletic guys. Um, so I guess the, the long way of answering your question is I don't think they're going to push it all the way to, to day three. I think it's going to be probably day one. And if not day one, it's going to mean a, a great player fell to them at 23. So they're going to hit it at 34. Mike, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think I mostly agree with what you said. Um, it, it's just, and, and this is why I think it's important to, even if you don't splurge on everything free agency, to at least try to find some security at spot at as many spots as you can, because you don't want to go into the draft saying, we have to get this, we have to get this. I think you want to go into the draft with the feeling that no matter where you are, um, no matter what part of the draft you're at, you can take the best player available, obviously with some consideration of your needs, like the Jets aren't, Going, because if you go too hard with that, obviously that's when you start drafting defensive tackles every year. So not to that extent, but when you're forcing um, yourself to pick needs, that's when you're sacrificing too much talent just for the sake of needs. And I don't think that's a position you want to be in. So I do think it would help if the Jets could get some more security on the offensive line somehow, some way, so they don't have to force it that much. But I agree with everything you said about the plan and the prospects you, na- uh, you named in terms of where and who they could target it in the draft from at the fake Matt gold. I know the 34th pick is valuable, but look at the last five picks at that spot. Michael Pittman, Rocky sin, Will Hernandez, Cam Robinson, and Jalen Smith. Jalen Smith's pretty good. Um, and I like Michael Pittman. Uh, wouldn't the jets be betting the odd or beating the odds by making a play for JC Jackson. Who's the corner from new England. If the jets trade Donald and pick up a second, I, I wouldn't hate that. I mean, but first of all, JC would have to agree to the deal. The Patriots get time to match it. JC Jackson to the Jets is a very unlikely scenario, but pure value. Is this player worth a second round pick? Yeah, I think he is. I don't think he's worth the 34th pick. Um, he's a, he's a damn good player, but I think, I think they should hold on to that 34th pick, but if they pick up, you know, the Broncos second rounder, the uh, Washington football team, second rounder, the bears, whatever. Then I think you could, you could try to make a play for JC Jackson. What about you, Michael? I think it is an interesting debate because he's really good. Um, he had nine interceptions this year, five the year before that, and his coverage numbers are 
fantastic. Um, Brashad Perriman did toast him a couple times, though, in that uh, the night game. But other than that, he is, has been very good. But uh, this, this is a type – like a restricted free agent move, I think, is more so for teams that are not in the Jets' position, teams that are closer to contention. If you could afford to not only pay a big contract but give up a second-round pick for him, not just any second-round pick, the second one um, in the round uh, – I'm not sure the Jets are in a position to make a move like that, but they do really need help at cornerback, and he's one of the best in the league. So, I mean, I might think about it. Would Joe Douglas think about it? Uh, I definitely don't think so. But if they do pick up another second-round pick for Darnold, like you said, maybe it's on the table. Ultimately, though, it just doesn't feel like a Douglas move to me. Yeah, and also that pick 34, I know you talked about you don't want to draft too much based off the needs, but that 34th spot I think is a great spot to pick up a corner, I think. Um, whether you're talking about Asante Samuel Jr., Eric Stokes, or Tyson Campbell, um, oh, who's the guy from Northwestern? Like Greg Newsome. Um, I think there's a lot of guys there at that 34 that you'd be comfortable and happy with uh, at that spot. So it's if they had another second, maybe you explore it, but you raise a good point. It's like you have to be able to give them a big contract. The Patriots have to not match that contract, and then you have to give up a pick. And so it just doesn't really seem like a, a Jets type or a Joe Douglas type of a move. From at Michael underscore P underscore 412, would you trade late round picks for veteran players? For example, Njoku to pair him with Herndon or any other players you would consider? I think this is definitely an option, most specifically at the offensive line spot. I mean, you look at what the Jets, when the Jets got into day three of last year, you look at what Joe Douglas did, I think it was the sixth round. He just made a trade for Quincy Wilson. I mean, he sent a sixth rounder to, to Indianapolis just to try to get a proven player. Obviously, it didn't work out, but clearly when you get towards the end of the draft and you know, those picks where it's just a pretty much a crapshoot, you just draw lottery numbers. I think that's where you can really pick up some value um, and some veteran players. So yes, I would expect them to do it as far as Njoku goes. That's really interesting. I think this is a good tight end class, so I don't think it's absolutely necessary, but yeah, I would, of course, if they can get Njoku for a late round pick, certainly um, offensive line is, is certainly where I would have my head out in corner um if i were joe douglas michael what about you do you think that the trading late round picks for veteran players although the jets aren't in a win now position is something that joe douglas could explore yeah i think just in general and not necessarily pertaining to any targets for the jets right now but just in general i'm a big fan of the idea of trading late round picks for players in the league because again and you brought up the quincy wilson move that one didn't work out they don't always work out but I think the odds of you hitting on trading, using a sixth round pick or a fifth round pick, even a seventh, I think that pick has much better odds of being successful for you by trading it for a known commodity in the NFL than whoever you would use it to draft. Because you look at the success rates of day three picks and they're extremely low. If, if you get a decent special teamer, if, you're, if the guy sticks on the roster in any way beyond a year or two years, that's a home run at that point of the draft. So if you can trade a pick with that sort of productivity for a guy who you know what they do in the NFL, that's something I'm always on board for. So uh, I'm not sure exactly who they'd go for at this point. I think, like you said, cornerback, offensive line are the places to look. Maybe Joe Douglas has another sort of like Alex Lewis a couple years ago, another under the radar guy from an old uh, former home of his that he has in mind. But in general, I'm just a big fan of the idea of trading late round picks for NFL players, just because of how unproductive those picks tend to be. Yeah, definitely. I think the only real thing you can pencil in for a day three pick is I think the Jets need to target a kicker. Rich Amini pointed that they're, they're exploring the free agent kickers, but I think 
the one seventh rounder, sixth rounder you want to hold on to is just wanted to make sure they can finally get a kicker because Jesus Christ, it's been ugly the last few years. Um, from at Faulkner Hinton, there we go. The Jags, for some reason, and I know this would never happen, but don't pick Lawrence. Would you pick him at two or take the big trade hall? I mean, take Trevor Lawrence. I mean, I don't think there's really a discussion there. Yeah, I'd, I would take Trevor Lawrence for sure. It, I would say there's like a 1% chance of that happening. I'm not going to say it's it's a 0% chance. Everybody assumed Darnold was going to go to the Browns. He, the owner had the meeting with the, the dinner with Sam and his parents and crazier things have happened. Maybe they, I mean, Chris Sims says Zach Wilson above Trevor Lawrence. So maybe something crazy happens, but they're not, they're going to take Trevor Lawrence because those, those are the type of decisions. If you get it wrong, people are going to fire you. If you take Trevor Lawrence and you're not, and he doesn't work out and Zach Wilson's a beast, nobody's really going to blame you. Um, at the real Barry Al two, do you think in the draft, the Jets will draft a cornerback and guard a 23 and 34? And would you, and what would you want? So this is, this is the question I was referring to later. I think Michael's right. I think that we should avoid trying to pencil in positions instead of value, because I think the, you can look at Judd Douglas's free agency. He clearly values value. And, and, and even going back to last year in the pick of Ashton Davis, the Jets are going to take the best player available to a certain extent. They're going to take the best player for the New York Jets. Joe Douglas knows the Jets aren't going to be competing this year. So yeah, if all the top guards are gone and there's maybe a middling corner, but there's an amazing linebacker available. There's amazing edge rusher available or, an amazing receiver, something like that, where it's just the value is just too good to pass up. I think he'll take him. So you can't really pencil it in. Yes. In an ideal world, I think they'd go guard it at 23 and corner at 34. For me, Alicia Vera Tucker is obviously the top guard, but Jalen Mayfield's a guy I really do believe can slide inside and have success, uh, especially in this scheme. So if I had to make a prediction or guys that I'd really want to go Jalen Mayfield at 23 and Greg Newsom at 34, just because I love those two prospects, but you have to be really careful about penciling in needs before value because the draft is crazy. I'm sure that Douglas will make some head scratching picks at times. We're going to be like, what? But just got to roll with the punches. That's the way, it, that's the way it works. And also the jets just have so many picks, especially if they trade Donald that, you know, if they trade Donald and they have two ones, two twos and two threes, that's six needs across your entire roster that you can knock out with, with relatively premium picks. I mean, the third up until the third round, those are guys that you expect to contribute after that. That's when it becomes a, a full on crap shoot. But the first three rounds of the NFL draft, those are high impact guys. Um, so that's six of them that the Jets can add to this team. So I don't think that he's going to necessarily prioritize uh, a position um, that much over another one. But yes, in an ideal world, in the way that the board is following in, in a lot of these mock drafts, a guard at 23 and a, and a corner at 34 would be ideal. Mike, what do you say? Well, I, I agree with what you said about not penciling need in needs, but it, it's just a really interesting position because if the Jets stay as they are right now, which I don't expect will be the case, there's still plenty of time to patch up some of these holes. But as they look right now, you have a huge hole at cor- at both slot corner and the other outside corner spot opposite Bryce Hall and at linebacker. So And at both guard spots, arguably. So unless you do feel comfortable with Greg Van Rowen running it back for one more year, at least one guard spot, though. So those are big holes they really have to address. But I think at the same time, the draft is where you want to build, let the core of your team just come together through talent. Like, obviously, these positions are needs, but generally you don't expect rookies to be good players for you. For the most, for most players in the league, their rookie season turns out to be their worst in the league until maybe their last season. It, it takes time to ease into the league. So rookies generally don't help your team win obviously there are plenty of exceptions but in general the average rookie is not good so i think you don't 
you have to fix these holes. Again, you're not just going to draft a defensive tackle. You're not going to draft a safety in the first or second round. But again, like you said, if there's an edge rusher, they could they still need another long-term edge rusher. If there's a lot, um, well, linebacker is one of the holes. But you know, if if there's a position where you know it's you can't, there is a, a place for that guy, and he's clearly more talented than the prospects at guard at corner. Then I think you still have to do it. Um, so at the same time, you really best case scenario would love to get that corner and a guard, and in my opinion, linebacker as well with some of those first few picks uh, whether it's the the early second rounder the late first and the third the first third rounder then that would be great but at the same time I don't think you can force yourself to reach for a corner or a guard if it doesn't make sense if you know if you're at, at number 23 if you're at 34 and a guard or a corner is way down your board and you'd be passing on 10 15 players who you've ranked higher then in the long run I think you're gonna that's not something that is going to work out well for you. And another another thing to keep in mind is that your needs change pretty rapidly. Cornerback and guard and linebacker might be the biggest needs now, and defensive tackle might not be a need at all right now. But again, we're not drafting defensive tackle, but just using it as an hey, example. Don't jinx it. Don't you put but, that evil on me. But your needs change. In a year, guys get hurt. Guys decline. You make trades. Like when they took Leonard Williams, and again, I keep referring to this. I know people don't want to hear it, but it wasn't a need at the time they took Leonard Williams, but then Muhammad Wilkerson turned bad. They traded Sheldon Richardson, and a few years down the line, if they didn't have Leonard Williams, their defensive line would be pretty bad. So your needs do change down the line. You have to think about the future as much as the present. So basically what I'm trying to say is best-case scenario, would love to take corner and guard with those first couple picks, but at the same time, you can't force yourself to do it if it doesn't make sense based on the talent available. Right. At Bill underscore Fond, what are your feelings on where Sam ends up? Do you think it happens after pro days are done or on draft day? Very informal poll on Twitter. I did have 54% of fans saying they feel the Jets are keeping Sam. I was a bit stunned what say you. Uh, trade still happened. Best landing spot. I think he still gets traded despite what we were talking about earlier with Corey Davis. The team that I've been saying to, to Michael, even before it was people, I mean, people have been talking about Denver now for the last few weeks, but I texted Michael, he can, you can attest to this like a month ago. Yeah, he did. Uh, saying, I think Denver's a, a sneaky dark horse team for, for Sam Donald, just because John Elway loved Sam Donald so much in that draft. And they're kind of in a weird quarterback purgatory spot. I guess they have Drew Locke, who's young, but his pedigree does not compare to Sam's. And although John Elway's not running things anymore in Denver, it wouldn't surprise me to see them send a second round. I, it was also just because it's almost the best case scenario for the Jets because their second rounder is so high. I believe it's the ninth pick in that in that uh, in that round. So, uh, and you look at the weapons that he'd be surrounded with with Judy and with Sutton um, and with KJ Hamler. I, I really like that that fit for Sam. But the Washington football team seems to be the one team that people are are pretty high about when it comes to Sam like if I had to make a bet I'd probably bet on the Washington football team even with Ryan Fitzpatrick um because look you don't want Ryan Fitzpatrick as your set and stone starter you want him as the backup that comes in and then he's good we know the cycle of Fitzpatrick so I would say the Washington football team is where I ultimately think he ends up but Denver is a really sneaky team to keep an eye out for and hell even even Chicago I mean people they're getting panned for their their you know, decision to basically plan B was Andy Dalton. So I think they still have something in the, the bag of tricks there in the Windy City. So, Michael, what do you say? Yeah, I think uh, Denver is a great call by you just because of John Elway and his past things that he said about Darnold. And in general, he just seems like a Broncos sort of quarterback. They love investing in guys who are big and have a lot of really interesting physical attributes. 
guys like Locke and Paxton Lynch. Um, and Brock Osweiler didn't have great physical attributes, but he was bigger, a little bit different than Sam Darnold. But they do invest in a lot of guys who have interesting physical tools. And Darnold, I think, does fit that bill for them. So that's an interesting one. San Francisco, I would still think about Chicago, like you said, even though they did say Dolan will, will be the starter. I think they could have a plan B in mind in terms of adding Darnold as that future guy. Washington, like you said, that would definitely be something to see, though. Fitzpatrick and Darnold on the same team. I would love it. That would be fun to watch for us. Um, so I think that those are definitely some of the teams to look at. I still think some of the teams with veteran quarterbacks, maybe the Steelers, Saints, teams like that. Although, I mean, the Saints at this point maybe could rule out with Taysom Hill deal and also Winston there. Um, but yeah, I think those are some of the teams, probably Denver, Washington, Chicago. I, if I had to pick three teams and for if I had to pick three teams to try to get one that he would be on, I guess those would be my three Denver, yeah. Washington. And I, I, let's extend it to four Denver, Washington, San Francisco and Chicago. Help even even Pittsburgh, I think, is interesting, too. I mean, people are they talked about him a lot earlier and now they're not. I think Pittsburgh could be an interesting spot. Sit behind. But I mean, but then I guess. I guess the problem with that is you kind of have to trade for Darnold and have him play him immediately because you have to find out because you're not going to pick up that fifth year option most likely. So he's just going to have a one year deal. So if I guess if Pittsburgh that, that is a really interesting factor in this because if you're trading for him to be your backup, you're not necessarily going to be able to see anything from him. Yeah, you're year. not going to see it through. You're just going to see him in practice, I guess. Right. Um, but Pittsburgh would make a nice. It would make a lot of sense for him. But yeah, I guess that is kind of interesting. If you trade for him, it's kind of telling Ben like. Which you, I think makes Denver an even better landing spot because <clears throat> Drew Locke, the way he played, even though they invested in him, uh, a draft pick in him, the way he played last season shouldn't guarantee him a starting spot. So right. they could trade for Darnold and he could probably win that job. So, yeah. So I really, I do agree with you. I think Denver is the one to look at. Denver's are, yeah, it's very sneaky team to look at. I, I'll still say Washington, but yeah, Denver is, is, creeping up the rankings there. I, I still think he gets traded. Um from at K for Nellis, uh great on the offseason so far. Does that include Sala? That has to that's the offseason. That's not free agency, right? Yeah. It says off season, not free agency. So including Sala, I'd probably I, for free agency I was gonna say B plus, but inc- including Sala, I'll bump it up to A minus. I want to say A minus two, but I almost want to just give it an A. Like, yeah, there's well, I'll give it an A minus. There's look, I think they could have done a better job improving the offensive line. That would be the biggest thing. That would probably be the only thing. I mean, there are some minor things like, yeah, I wish they double dipped at linebacker. I don't really know what their plan is at corner. We still haven't seen the draft, so we haven't seen the whole plan through. So it's an incomplete grade. But Sala is an A plus higher for me. And right. I think they're, I, they're I, I think their free agency is a B plus or an A minus. And we'll see how their draft is. There are some things I would change, namely the offensive line, but I'd say A minus for sure. And you could make the argument it's an A. Um, yeah, I, I really like what they've done. I, I think that fans have some unrealistic expectations sometimes of what you can accomplish in free agency, but what Joe Douglas has done, giving the Jets another legitimate weapon on the outside with Corey Davis, getting them the first edge rusher they've really had in 15 years. Um, and I like some of the other value signings he's made. I, I li- I'd like to see Keelan Cole I said it right this time. I'd like to see Gerard. I think it's Gerard Davis. Um, see what they think they can do with him. I mean, there are some signings that really intrigue me. And then Sheldon Rankins to me is like, that's the type of signing that can really boom. 
um, because he's just undervalued because he's been hurt the last two years. But you look at the 2018 film and it's, it's pretty elite. So you have him on that line with Quinn and then John Franklin Myers and Foley uh, and Carl Lawson. I mean, uh, the Jets can be upsetting some teams this year. It's the, the Joe Douglas has talked about the game is one of the trenches and we've kind of all taken that to be talking about the offensive line, but he means it about the defensive line too. And especially when Rob Saul is your head coach, I mean, the Jets are going to focus on building this thing from the inside out, um, you know, dominating those trenches. And I think the Jets really have a chance to be able to do that um, this year, at least on the defensive side. And then hopefully we'll see how the draft goes. I think they can start to do it on the offensive side. Um I'm not even going to, I'm just going to say from at save, save Sam. I mean, he, his tag is just way too many letters. It's M uh, no, whatever. I still assume Jets will have one vet guard starter. Who are some trade options? Brandon Brooks, Michael, what do you think about the trade market for the guard spot? Is there anybody that jumps out to you? Do you think Joe Douglas would explore this type of move? Um, do you think maybe they go back to that free agency pool? Trey Turner is a guy that's still sitting there. He mentions Brandon Brooks, who has the, the, the Douglas Philly tie. Um, just, yeah, what are your thoughts on that spot? Because right now the Jets are sitting in a spot where they have the exact same offensive line as last year, which there are worse things. I think they were in a worse spot last year. They have the continuity of this year. They have a really good offensive line coach coming in, a different scheme that's going to benefit at least three or four of the guys there. And then you have the draft to build up the team, but you could still probably use another vet outside of Dan Feeney. Um, so is there anybody in the trade market that that intrigues you or anybody in the free agent market that intrigues you? Yeah, it, this is definitely something they can look at. Like we, Like I said earlier, like – how Douglas pulled off the Alex Lewis trade. Not that Lewis is great, or I think he even should be starting this year, but you know, he's a starter quality player and they kind of pulled that out of nowhere. So could have a player like that in mind from one of his former stops. Um, there, there's no one I have in mind in particular right now in terms of guard targets they could look at uh, in terms of trades. Brandon Brooks would be amazing because he's was a superstar when healthy missed all of last season though. Uh, I'm not sure why the Eagles would want to trade him. It would probably take a lot to get him. Um, but it, it's something they should definitely consider because I think they need, like I said before, I think you want as much security as you can get across your roster so you don't have to force yourself to take certain positions in the draft. And right now they sort of are in that spot with guard. Um, I, I'm okay with Greg Van Rowen starting if they have to one more season. He's, I think he's better than Alex Lewis in pass protection. He's pretty decent probably about average which is you know good to have so i'd be okay with him at one spot but at that other spot they definitely need some help um odeo bushi was my guy and he went off the board for only two million um so he's not on the table anymore this one's going to be very interesting to watch because just scanning up and down free agency and the trade market there's nothing appealing right now so it, it's going to be interesting to see if Douglas can pull a rabbit out of his hat with the trade somehow, I think or if they really just wait for the draft to uh, figure out how to address it. I think he does. I don't know who. I'm not going to pretend to know who. I think it's going to be somebody under the radar. Um, I, I don't even know if it's going to be before the draft. I think it could happen kind of like the Alex Lewis trade. It could be something around training camp. I don't think he's done adding to this offensive line unit with veterans. I, clearly, they're going to add some some guys in the draft, but I still think that they're going to make a move um, and probably end up cutting Alex Lewis, but they're not going to do that until they have another veteran in place. So I, I think, I think Douglas pulls a rabbit out of his hat um, for sure. But again, it's going to be for the right value. He's not going to overpay for somebody. I think they should kick the, 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 the tires on Trey Turner um, for sure though. I mean, it's just like, this is a guy that hasn't been good the last few years, but he was a pro bowler. You can see if you can get the most out of him in a new scheme. Um, but yeah, I, I think, I think Douglas ultimately pulls a, a rabbit out of his hat from at Daniel underscore MYJ. If both JC Horn 
and Alicia Vera Tucker available at 23, who should be the pick. I mean, obviously that just comes down to, um, uh, to, to Joe Douglas's board. I mean, it, we can't really guess if you want my personal opinion, I'd take JC Horn, but they're both great players. Alicia Vera Tucker is probably the best interior offensive lineman available. If you're worried about getting an interior offensive lineman at 34, that fits your scheme. Cause I think there's probably gonna be more corners available at 34 than there are good interior offensive linemen. That makes sense. But I, this is an example of kind of what we we're talking about earlier. They're not going to, I mean, these are both huge needs, but you know, I, I think you could argue, well, I was going to say you could argue the guard was a bigger need, but I mean, corners are really ugly. They have still been signed a slot guy. Um, in my mind, you go JC Horn because I think he's the better player. And I think it's also a massive need. And then you have 34 to address and hope that Wyatt Davis falls or hope somebody else uh, is in that range that you can add. Michael, what about you? Yeah. Like you said, I think it comes down to their board first and foremost, maybe they're way higher on JC Horn than everyone else's. Maybe they're way lower on him because no, every team's board is a matter of their own opinion. In general, we have a good idea of what the consensus is, but you know, one team or every single player has, well, the majority of them, any player who isn't Trevor Lawrence uh, has, you know, a range of opinions. There'll be teams that like them more than others. So it'll come down to what they think for, for me, I think that they're close enough to where I would roll with. I think this is a spot where if, if this is the decision you're making between these two guys, Horn and Vera Tucker, I think they're close enough to where I would go with, in my opinion, the bigger need is the offensive line because you want to support your quarterback first and foremost. I would roll with him, but but I do like J.C. Horn quite I, a bit. You know what? I, I said the same thing, but I actually think Horn is a bigger need because I think – We've been talking about Douglas building a juggernaut of, of an offensive line, and certainly that hasn't been the case yet. I mean, I think he's doing it, did a good job with Becton, and I think this line is moving in the right direction. But I think corner, look, I mean, who's the Jets starting corners right now? It's Bryce Hall. So I'm fine with Bryce Hall taking a spot this year. Okay, cool. Bless Austin. I'm fine with him being the fourth corner, but he's not a starter. And then Javelin Gidry at the slot, presumably they're going to sign K1 Williams or bring back Brian Poole. Um, so I think the slot will be filled, but that corner spot is definitely a bigger need. And as we talked about with Oscar Aparicio, when we had him on uh, about a month and a half ago or whatever it was, he's talked about how the guards are the least important position of this entire offense, that it's the tackles and the center that matter more than the guards. Um, and the, the Niners have pretty much just had a bunch of stop gaps, young players, draft players. So, and you can make the same argument with corners. I mean, both positions are, when you look at San Francisco's, the makeup of their roster, I guess excluding Richard Sermon, corner and guard were two positions that they didn't prioritize as much on defense. They prioritized the edge and the defensive line and the trenches like Joe Douglas has done in the offensive line. They prioritized the tackles in the center, but I would say the corner is the bigger need. I mean, they, they need a veteran starter out there. I think Razul Douglas is a guy that was kind of always linked to Douglas. Apparently Douglas liked him, but he had a really good season in Carolina last year. He's still in the open market. I would sign him and then I would draft somebody at 34 is what I would do. And then I think you're in a solid spot of that corner spot. Um, but as things stand right now, which is how you have to, to frame this question, the corner spot's a bigger need. And JC Horn, in my mind, is the better player. But they're both great players. And if either one are available at 23, I'll be ecstatic. Um, from at TM's, Yeah, I wouldn't complain oh. about that. I'm just leaning towards the support the quarterback idea. But either way, I would be okay with Okay. at From at T, uh, TM Snow Sale, if the Jets do not sign any more offensive linemen in free agency, how many of their draft picks do you think they'll use on offensive line? I think at least two, maybe three, but I mean, definitely one guard and then probably another tackle. I think, yeah, at least two. 
is what I would say. And yeah. we know yeah, I, would, Douglas- I would say too. I think they'll go for a guard early and then like a, a developmental tackle on day three. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's kind of how I feel. I could see them taking three, especially if they trade down and get more a lot more picks or something like that. Um but yeah, at least two. And then from at New York Sports Guru 2, this is our last question of the day. As long as we draft a cover linebacker early in the draft, where do you see our front seven ranking in the league? I've seen a lot of people putting our defensive line top five and hyping this up, wondering if you guys agree or where you stand in the Jets front seven. Yeah, I agree. I think that Will linebacker is kind of the last missing piece. Assuming CJ Mosley is anywhere close to the player that he was, that's a big you know question mark for the Jets. But I like Gerard Davis in that rotational Sam linebacker spot. I think he's going to excel there. If CJ Mosley is who he was, we saw him for three quarters and he was, you know, three quarters in, he was the best free agent signing in Jets history. And then since then you can make the argument he's been the worst. So we don't really know what we're getting there, but if he can be anything close to that, that's great. The will linebackers still question mark. If they get a guy like Dylan Moses or, or Jabril Cox or somebody like that in the draft, that's awesome. And then the defensive line. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's easily top five. Um, it's gotten to the point where non jets fans are acknowledging how good the jets defensive line is, which is, which is a good, good step in the right direction. Cause the jets haven't been in that position for any position group um, in a while. Yeah. This front seven is, is absolutely filthy. Uh, I think Carl Lawson is, is going to go down as, I don't, I don't want to jinx it. I was going to say the best for agent signing uh, in jets, or at least in the last few years, I, I just think that he is arguably the best edge that they could have gotten. Even that includes Shaq Barrett. I think he's, insanely talented he seems like a great guy a great fit in the locker room he's still young there's good value on the contract i just think that you finally have somebody on the edge and then those interior beasts that you have especially adding rankins i mean this jets defensive lineman this jets defensive line is just going to be a nightmare for a lot of offenses and i think that is a big reason why even if the jets only go seven and ten i'm having to adjust to the 17 game schedule I think you're going to see them play really good teams tight like Carolina did last year. And it's because of that defensive line. I think you're going to see the jets be able to stop the run and get after the quarterback. And it's going to force a lot of close one possession games. Now, whether or not the jets have the firepower, especially in the secondary or the offensive line, whatever to to finish those, that's a question mark. But I just think this defensive line is going to keep the jets in a lot of games this season. And it's going to make them a fun team to watch. I think that the jets are going to be the most interesting team um, that they feel that in a while, just because I think this defensive line, I think you put it perfectly. I think it's an elite unit for the jets and they haven't had an elite unit in a while. Certainly the first elite unit under Douglas, they have to fill that will linebacker spot, but they have plenty of options in the draft. Mike, what about you? Yeah. So there, I think there's definitely top five potential here with the interior D line. This has best in the league potential. I think there are some competitors, the Steelers and Eagles have good units, um, but there's definitely best interior D-line in the league. Just looking at Quinnen, Rankins, JFM, and Fadakasi, that can be the best in the league. Quinnen's a two-way star. Um, Fully Fadakasi is maybe the best, in the conversation, to be the best pure run-stuffing nose tackle in the league right now. JFM is one of the best pass rushers in the league, and Rankins is right up there in that conversation as well. So very good interior D-line on the edge. Carl Lawson's probably a top 10 edge rusher in terms of purely pass rushing he was probably top five last year then on the other side I definitely would like to see some more there because I love JFM on the inside I think that's where he's at his best he was just unstoppable last year as a three tech so I do want to see as much of him as possible on there so I'd like to see them get someone to handle that opposite edge so he doesn't have to be out there all the time maybe they still sign one of the veterans who are left like Vernon Griffin Clowney Alden Smith someone like that would be great Vinnie Curry or hopefully they can draft someone who can hold that down and play well as a rookie. 
So that spot's a question for me. But then at linebacker, Mosley, if he's healthy, is a top 10 guy probably. Um, if Davis is able to stay in that Sam third linebacker role, I think he's going to be very solid in that role because he was last year. Um, and then it's just that will linebacker spot. How are they going to figure that out? It, I, I think right now it's I, I'd probably it. There's so many different ways. Blake Cashman could maybe win that spot. They could draft someone early who could be the starter there. They could still sign someone like Wright or Eric Wilson. Um, so, but that's a question mark. I do need them to figure that out or it could be a weakness, but um, I, I guess even taking out the linebackers, if you just look at the defensive line, the edge spots, and the defensive tackles, this could be for sure a top five unit if everybody stays healthy. Yeah, no, I, I think this is the most exciting part about this entire team. Really excited to watch Quinn and play next to all these beasts. And and, and, and I do want to say, I know that some Jets fans are probably <laughs> going to be annoyed by this as if it's redundant. Oh, we've had great D-lines before. I don't think the Jets have had one like this, and mostly because – of Lawson they this is a unit that can pass rush this isn't a team they should be really good against the run once again but it's not like this unit is just here to stop the run this team should create this should be this is going to be the best four-man rush the Jets have had in a long long time with you've three elite interior pass rushers with Quinnen Rankins and Franklin Myers and you have an elite Ed rusher and Carl Lawson that's four guys who are top tier pass rushers up front and they still are going to add somebody and exactly they're still probably going to add more juice on that other edge spot so this is different than some of the other d lines they've had and they've had some legitimately great ones like in 2015 that era and then also the rex era those were great but in different ways this is a group that's going to create a lot of pressure and that's what's most important and they're going to do it without needing the help of a blitz. And that's going to allow you to cover up the weaknesses of your secondary because you don't have to blitz as much and you can have an extra guy yeah. in the secondary who would, who last year and in past years, because you can't rush the quarterback would be blitzing most of the time. So exactly. this exactly. is a, this is different than past defensive lines. I it think uh, for this team, it changes your whole defense. And if the jets could do anything, at corner, like I said, signing Russell Douglas and then drafting Greg Newsom, I think this defense has top ten potential. I really do. It comes down to that those trenches because it's that's where the money gets made, and and I really think that especially because Quinn is not going to have to face the same double teams that he has been facing. There's not going to be many double teams to go around because if you double team Quinn and Williams, Carl Lawson is going to beat you. If you double team Carl Lawson, then Sheldon Rankins is going to beat you. I mean, it's just the stunts that they're going to be able to run. And then like what you talked about, it affects your entire defense. Just that four man rush, being able to get pressure in under three seconds is going to allow you to just play the rest of the guys in coverage. Um, I'm really excited about this. I think, I think this defense has, has top 10 potential for sure. Got to figure out that cornerback spot. Um, but I, I think they have the avenues to do so. Last thing before we get out of here, Michael, any other guys in the free agent market you, you want them to explore? I, we've talked about K1 Williams at, at, at slot corner. I've talked about Razul Douglas. I think that's the number one guy they should be looking at right now. At that edge spot, there's a ton of guys, Jadavion Clowney, Kerry Hyder, um, Olivier Vernon, Trey Turner's on the offensive line. Is there anybody else that jumps out to you? That, I mean, they got holes at running back. You could argue they – probably not going to know the tight end. So you got holes at running back. You got holes at guard, probably need a backup quarterback edge linebacker, corner kicker. Who are some names that jumped out to you that we didn't just mention? Well, I mean, things are moving so slowly now that it's almost the same field as our last podcast from a few days ago. But I think linebackers where I'm looking first, either KJ Wright or Eric Wilson would be great. Both of them are very solid in coverage and 
Wright has the connection with Sala and Jeff Olbrick. So either one of those guys to hold down the wheel spot would be huge. Slot corner, either Poole or Kwan Williams, get one of those guys in. They're both fantastic, and you have connections to both. So just stay great at that position. Uh, I think that you know you're linked to both those guys. So just get one of them in. Outside corner, it's it's getting weaker and weaker as names go off the board. Adoree Jackson's gone. I would still love Richard Sherman to come here if he wants to follow Sala. Um, I think that'd be a great way to hold that spot down for a year. Um, and then on offense, it's just so hard to project the guard position. It's it's such a weak market right now. I know you mentioned Trey Turner, a lot of upside there, but you know you're now looking at the second time, uh, the second consecutive year that he's been let go. He's missed a lot of games, and his his grades and his pressure numbers are actually pretty bad, even though he's a five-time Pro Bowler. He hasn't actually played like that, and he's missed at least three games in four straight seasons. So um, there's definitely some question marks with even him. So um, it's, it's tough to project that guard spot. There's no one in particular I have in mind, but on, on defense, there are still some good options to fill a few different spots. And also edge. I mentioned a few names earlier, guys like Clowney, Curry, Griffin, Vernon, there, there are some good names there who could hold that spot down for a year. Yeah, most definitely. I think that there's plenty of talent still on that market. And I think you'll still see some, some Douglas make some moves. Um, Russell Douglas though, that's the guy that, that really jumps out to me because they just need any sort of help at cornerback spot. I know you're talking about Richard Sherman, but I think Douglas is a guy who's still relatively young, has ties to Joe Douglas, um, had a really good season last year. And then you can go ahead and, and draft somebody. And then your cornerback room looks like an NFL cornerback room. That's going to do it for us, though. Thank you so much for listening. You can follow us at CYJPod on Twitter. You can follow myself at Ben W. Blessington, Michael at Michael underscore Nania. You can find this podcast right listen to podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Jets, X Factor. Um, please like, rate, review on iTunes. Uh, I think that's going to do it for Michael, any other any other thoughts before we get out of here? Nope. Oh, okay. I like it. Just simple. <laughs> um, exciting week in the books for the Jets. I think they did a really good job about building this team. Thank you to all those who, who sent in mailbag questions. Um, we'll be back in a few days, see what happens, see if the Jets make any other moves. But things are heating up as we head towards the NFL draft. As always, folks, don't let the Jets ruin your life. Pass the work quickly. Down to six seconds. Carr going down again. And it's Quentin Williams this time for the Jets. The middle in the air picked off. Ryan Poole to the end zone. Touchdown. Hunter the beat and the punter brings him down. Touchdown, most likely. Looks right. Fires a bomb down the right sideline again for Mims. What a catch by Denzel Mims.